But there's something about Mary that they don't know. Mary, there's just something about Mary. I think the only way to truly do a full reset of the show is one round of firsts with the host. Let people know who Mary Carey actually <laughs> is and why the, there's something about her. There's definitely something about me. I don't know if it's a good thing or not, to be honest, because I'm a little bit crazy, Matt. I think I'm like, I, I picked up know. on that. You have? Oh, no. <laughs> it's that obvious. But yeah, Matt, let's do it. There's something about Mary Carey. Welcome to There's Something About Mary Carey. Let's start with my favorite question okay. yes. that you kick off every show with. I love mm-hmm. this question. So what mm-hmm. is the first day of life that you remember? Gosh, you know what's funny? is I Because when I ask people that, it's like I always try to think about for myself. I don't really... I mean, I don't really remember anything until preschool. I remember getting in trouble. What did you get in trouble for? For like, I remember I was playing with, I don't, they're not like Legos, but they're kind of something like Legos. And they kept telling me I had to clean up and I wasn't allowed to play. And I just ignored the teacher and I kept playing. And then they made me go sit in the corner. Oh no. Yeah. (laughs) I had to go sit in the corner and stare at the wall. But yes, that's like the first day I actually remember. My girlfriend, her name was Denon, which is like a very interesting name, right? Denon, D-E-N-O-N. And her brother was Nolan. And I would go to her house and her brother would make us be prisoners. Like we'd have to like keep our arms up by her bedpost and just like hours of standing in the bedroom while he like wouldn't let us do anything. And so I never wanted to go back over there again. (laughs) So those are like the two big things that stick out in my mind. That sounds horrible too, doesn't it? Yeah. I remember vividly the first time like an adult punished me. And like, I don't know about you, but it's like, I was, I was like the good kid. So when it happened, it was like, it like shook me to my core. Were you like the good kid at that time that like when you Mm -hmm. did get in trouble, it hit you on a really emotional level or like, you know, that there's also like those kids who just are so used to getting in trouble that it doesn't affect them at all. You know, I was definitely a very good kid. I was always like, well, in fifth grade, I was the student of the year for like the whole city. I have like a plaque for it. it was in the newspaper. I um, was a yeah, straight A student. I, yeah, I, I was pretty much like followed all the rules. And if I got a B even, I would cry, you know? So yeah, I didn't like to get punished. But at home, I was really bratty. My grandparents used to say, if only they knew how you acted at home you know, at school, because at school, I was so good. And I, I think like that was every a- <laughs> parent said that to their kid, though. I think I was bad at home. Because you know what, my grandparents raised me because my mom was mentally handicapped. And so is my dad. So my grandparents yeah. raised me. And so I had these like two full time parents, you know what I mean? 24 hours a day around doing everything for me. And they definitely spoiled me, I think. The hard part was, you know, in elementary school, being the like the straight A kid and stuff, that's still fine. But when you at middle school, the public schools, around here at least, I felt like I was starting to become like a social outcast because I wanted to get straight A's. I didn't want to go to parties. I just wanted to do ballet and get straight A's. So then I switched to um, a private school for eighth grade through 12th. I went to one of the top preparatory schools actually in the United States. I went to Pinecrest Preparatory School and I had a scholarship for dance and academics. 
You've brought up dance a couple times on this. So I, I have yeah. a couple questions related mm-hmm. to that. When did you, do you remember the first time you fell in love with dance? Yes, fourth grade. <laughs> I didn't like it before. My grandparents made me dance. Like I did not want to dance. Um, I hated it. And I remember when I was like five, the teacher telling this other girl how good she was doing and not telling me that I was doing good. So I was really sad. But then in fourth grade, I discovered I love tap dancing and jazz and I was on the competition team. And then from there, I just became kind of obsessed with dance. Like ballet was everything. Once once I got into I got into ballet more in sixth grade when I auditioned for the Miami City Ballet Nutcracker. And I was a candy cane in George Balanchine's Nutcracker, which, you know, I saw in Philadelphia. They did the George Balanchine version. So nice. it's, it's the same choreography, you know, like the choreography stays the same if you buy the rights to George Balanchine stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> I was a really good dancer. Like how my grandfather not died when I was 16. I can definitely see a place in my life where all of a sudden, instead of focusing on dance, I decided I had a boyfriend and go out because I was so scared of my grandmother dying and being alone in the world. So instead of ballet being my focus, I turned to like a social life, you know? Do you remember what the first ballet was that you fell in love with? Was it the Nutcracker or was it It was the Nutcracker, else? yeah. It was the Nutcracker <laughs> um, in sixth grade when Edward Villela, he was the artistic director of Miami City Ballet and... So as a student getting to perform in the show, we would sit, you know, the dress rehearsals and everything. And he would kind of narrate, you know, what's going on with all the pantomiming, you know, out loud for the kids. And I just, I loved it. And then the second ballet that I really liked was Coppelia, um, which is so funny because I did Coppelia in eighth grade with Boca Ballet Theater. And then my senior year at Pinecrest, I was the lead role of Coppelia. So um, yeah, Coppelia is just a fun ballet too. I liked it because there's a lot of acting and pantomiming. I really, I'm very over the top. So it works very well for me, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So you did mention your grandfather passing um, when Mm -hmm. you were in, I think you said 10th grade. Was that the first death that really kind of rattled you? Yes, because my grandparents were my parents to me. You know, they raised me. They were my parents. And so losing him was like losing your dad. And it was just, it was kind of quick too, because he got diagnosed with lung cancer when he was going, it was actually, he was going to get a hip replacement or no, a knee replacement. And so they had to do chest x-rays. And a couple of days before the surgery, when they did the chest x-rays, they found his lung cancer. And he had quit smoking cigarettes when he was in his twenties. You know, he had quit smoking for you know, 50 years. So he was a welder. And the welders back in the, you know, the 30s and 40s, they didn't have proper, I don't think they had the proper like uh, masks or anything. So he, his lung cancer was very quick. And then within six months, he basically died. I remember it was the first ballet when I was doing Cinderella, he couldn't come to the show. And it was actually the, his uh, doctor, his cardiologist that he was seeing was she was in the, she was at Pinecrest with me. She was Cinderella when I was a fairy godmother. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was really bad. And I always still to this day regret, like the day before he died, I went to the hospital and there was this like 20 minute wait before I could see him. And I was like so worried about my boyfriend at the time. And I was just like, oh, tell my grandfather I'll come back tomorrow. And then he died the next day. And he died about 20 minutes before I got to the hospital. I was oh. leaving my high school. And I got there and he was already dead. So, well, (laughs) in a weird, in a weird way that I can relate. um, I don't Mm. know if we talked about this, but my grandfather was the first big death that hit me. 
and it was when I was in 10th grade and it was lung oh. cancer and it was Oh, really? Lung cancer of, also. Same situation like my grandfather never smoked. But yeah. he was a musician, so he played a lot of bars. So I think mm. it was secondhand that he probably got it. Yeah. But same situation. He got diagnosed six months later. He was gone, and I never got to visit him in the hospital. And it, yeah. for me, it was more I, I was afraid to face that he wasn't going to be there. Like, I was like, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. He's going to come out of this. Like, like, going to the hospital would be like accepting defeat in my mind but i did write him a letter my mom was like you should probably at least write him like a goodbye letter so i I wrote him a goodbye letter and he actually got buried with that letter in his hand um (gasps) did he really yeah i remember that was probably the hardest i ever cried was during the viewing when my mom said when you go up to the casket look at his hand and he was holding the letter from me um yeah no that uh that took me. All right, let's let's. So let me, <laughs> I know, now I'm gonna cry. Let's, let's let's pick it up. Let's pick it up. So first boyfriend. <laughs> oh, my first boyfriend, fourth grade. His name was Fabian. <laughs> he was a fifth Ooh, grader, and I was a what fourth. A fancy as name. <laughs> Fabian. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we never really saw each other though, because he was in a whole different class than me. <laughs> How did you meet then? Playground. I, you know, I don't even know. I don't remember. Or the same bus? Had. Did you ride a bus? No, because I refused to ride the bus. <laughs> so my grandmother okay, drove me to what your parents were talking about. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I was afraid of the bus. So they drove me. <laughs> but yeah, no, I remember he would walk me out to the car. But then in sixth grade, I had another boyfriend. His name was Clark. I remember like my grandmother would pick me up because I'd have to go straight to ballet So after school. And he'd always give me like a kiss on the cheek. And I remember Aww. him and this other boy both liked me. And I told them both, I'm going to figure out in a week who I want to be my boyfriend. And so I chose Clark over Kevin because Clark was more popular, but I actually liked Kevin better, but that was oh, really horrible. Mary, Mary. I know. Well, so I broke up with Clark, the really popular soccer player, baseball player. And then it's so funny. So Clark, when I was like 20, I went to work at a strip club in Florida and he was the manager and my sixth grade boyfriend. <laughs> I was like, this is a little awkward. <laughs> Did he remember it? He's like, I think so. I think he, I think he thought it was like crazy. You that broke I was up with there. me. How dare you? You know what? His and it was kind of crazy too because he had an older sister, and I remember she was like a soccer player too. They're like very. She's like a very um like tough girl. I wasn't, and she was like threatening. She's like, I want to kick your ass because you broke up with my brother, and then like. All of a sudden, all like the other popular kids, I was no longer in that group anymore. It was horrible. I know it was so hard too because I went from being really popular to like being an outcast. You know, I remember like having to go to the therapist's office at the school because this group of girls didn't want to be my friend anymore. And yeah, it was horrible. So, what would the private school day be like? Like, because I guess you were there for dance, right? Yeah. So, we had ballet. Ballet was like, Actually, it was so funny because there's like tons of girls. Like she barely gave A's, the ballet teacher. So you have these kids who are in like calculus and all these like honors English with straight A's and they have like a C in ballet. Whereas like ballet was my only A ever. And actually it was funny, my senior year, because I was trying to avoid calculus. Like I had already taken, I think I did college algebra junior year and then senior year. The only thing left was statistics or calculus. So I took uh, statistics because our school mate, even though if you had your college requirements, you were still required to take a foreign language, a math. And I remember I was really struggling in statistics. And my ballet teacher went and talked to the principal. It's like, can't we just give her another ballet class? Because she just have ballet twice a day instead of math. 
And so they let me take ballet two times a day instead of doing it's, math. It, I, I mean, again, I adore you, Mary. I, I yeah. want to start with that out the gate. But it, it, is, it is so crazy to me to think <laughs> about the fact that like, so much of your life, all the way up to your your senior year, were so many people defending you because they saw like this ballet greatness in you mm-hmm. that yeah. you like kind of walked away from it afterwards. That's 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 really crazy to think about. It really because you is. feel like the movie, like if someone was making a movie based on your high school experience, like the end mm-hmm. of that movie is like you're, you know, renowned as like the greatest ballet dancer of all time or something. Yeah. I had a full scholarship to Jacksonville University for dance, um, Butler University, Florida State. Uh, dance, I mean, that was my original major at Florida State was dance. Yeah. But then I had to transfer back to FAU because like my mom and grandmother, like I had to take care of them. I couldn't be away from home. So I transferred and they didn't have a dance major at FAU. So I did uh, theater, but I didn't really, I mean, I, I just started falling away from ballet. I did. I think that yeah. it was just, I realized now, I mean, I, it's actually kind of crazy. I, I think I turned towards like alcohol and boys. And then, you know, uh, I never was a cheerleader or anything, but then at, at college, I remember one day they had like a thing for the dance team. You danced at all the basketball games and stuff. And I was like, you know, I've always wondered what that would be like to do. So I'm going to try out for that. And then I made it on the dance team. And then I just never did ballet anymore. But I had an ankle injury with ballet. It was it was pretty bad. Like I would have needed surgery, which telling a 16 year old that you need a surgery that's going to be four or five months not dancing. You know, when you're 16, four or five months sounds like 10 that years, like you know? Eternity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I just, I would have needed surgery. I mean, to this day, it's still, I have a little extra bone and the surgery was very risky because I'd have to go into my tendons and stuff. So, but you know, I look at it this way, like dancing is what gave me, I feel like my whole like Mary Carey personality was all based on my like dance. Like I, it just, I don't know, dancing on stage at the strip clubs was fun for me. I mean, I really... I, you know, I danced for 20 years at clubs and I believe that it just came very easy to me because of all the ballet training. I have a lot of stage presence. You know, I was like the longest booked feature dancer too. I, I was dancing for a I long think time. That there's, I think you could also argue that to a certain extent, maybe walking away from ballet is why you still are able to love it. Like, mm-hmm. because a lot of that stuff, it's like, if you stick with it, it turns into a job and you start to kind of have a little bit of a disdain for it after a while. So, I mean, when you could look at it through that lens as well is like if you had stayed with it, you maybe wouldn't maybe that passion would have died out. Whereas like now it's like a thing that you love. I love it. It's like I, I like recruit like my neighbor, like my neighbor's kid. I'm like question. I make her. I like sign them up for ballet. <laughs> She's got our daughter in like the most serious ballet school because I told her I found it for my, you know, it was for my imaginary child to go to. Yeah. I found this really good school and her daughter goes and I'm constantly working with her daughter on stuff. And um, would you ever consider you know, teaching? Would like, you is know that like I, a route you could consider? I would have loved to do that actually, but I don't, I'd be nervous because of the porn. I just think that there'd be parents who would just would be like, no way, no how. Yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, I definitely notice it's so funny. Like I feel like there's just definitely a lot of discrimination. Like even at my little yoga Pilates studio, I go to, I can see that like some of the women there that are teachers and stuff, they will like watch my Instagram stories, but they never like my pictures. Cause I think they're afraid to. What is the story of how you did get into the porn world? 
Gosh, I was so fascinated with strip clubs and, you know, I was just like, I like to be center of attention. So I did an amateur contest and I won the amateur contest. I remember I danced to Christina Aguilera's Genie in a Bottle. That was my song <laughs> that I used. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I didn't realize at the strip clubs that the guys don't want to hear Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. But yeah, that was like, like Motley Crue or something, right? Like, yeah. Just- and I remember like dancing to that. But so I started working in a strip club and the mag at the strip club, they had this magazine that had like a porn star on the cover every month. It was called Excitement. And I would like, I had like a stash of them under my bed that I would hide from my grandma. And I would read the interviews with the porn stars. And I was like, I want to do this. I think that this will be fun. And um, I, well, I just wanted to be a featured dancer because my club would bring in the features. And I was like, this is not fair. Why does she get her picture on a flyer? Why is she getting more tips? Why does she get to wear fun costumes? Why does she get to go on stage for four songs instead of two? You know, I wanted to be on stage longer. So then I just, um, I contacted an agent. At the end of one of the articles, you know, an interview with the porn star, it said like, call this number to book this girl. So I called it and was like, I want to be a feature. So the guy got me on Howard Stern show. And then from there, Howard always really liked me. So then I would always go on the Howard Stern show. And then that was able to up my rate feature dancing. And then from there, I mean, I, I also spent hours researching the porn business. I was like, okay, I need to do girl, girl only. I need to get a contract to make a big name for myself. So I kind of like. There's the nerd side of you coming out. Yeah, I did. I mean, I really I put a lot of effort into this porn career when I first started it. You know, I made sure to get a contract. And then when I signed with Kick-Ass Pictures, they had me run for governor within a few months of me signing the contract. I was also working for Playboy TV at the time. I had a hidden camera show at Playboy. <laughs> it was so much fun because I got to like ad lib things. I worked really hard. You know, I, I was all yeah. about like building a name up for myself. And then, but then I think I got very relaxed with it too. I started thinking like, I don't know, I worked really hard for a couple of years and I think I got like, Oh, I can drink. I can party. I'm Mary Carrie. And I got like this really big ego. What made you eventually decide to walk away from it? Well, once I did celebrity rehab with Dr. Drew, I I just decided I didn't really want to do the porn side anymore. But, you know, it is funny too. When I did porn, it never really occurred to me that I was having sex on camera. To me, it was like a big production. I was doing my show and I was acting. It, It just... It just didn't really occur to me what I was actually doing, I don't think. And it's funny because I look back on all the girl-girl movies I did, and now I would not want to do girl-girl because I realize I'm not – like, I just don't want to lick a vagina, you know? And um, – <laughs> but at the time, I don't know how I did it so easily, you know? Although, I can tell you, I was not very good at it. Like, my very first girl-girl movie, if you look at me, I look like, like a dog, like, lapping water. I had no clue what I was doing. I liked the acting parts. I liked being on camera. Because back when I did porn, there was still acting in it. You know, 2003, there was still plots to the movies. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. like today. But then when I did Celebrity Rehab, I was making so much of my feature dancing still off the TV shows. And then I was always going out in the uh, club scene in LA that was like where the paparazzi were. I mean, it was always like me, Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, Justin Timberlake, Cameron Diaz. We were all at like the same nightclubs and stuff. And so I was very much in that whole little world. I think I just started viewing myself as like, I started thinking like, oh, I'm like a mainstream person. I don't need to do porn. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's funny because the mainstream people don't accept me. But then the porn people didn't like that I wasn't, they didn't think I like put enough like work into porn, you know? It's weird though. Because when I briefly lived in LA, the nicest people I met were the people that were in the porn industry. It's I heard someone else say this in another podcast that I was editing. It is so weird 
the, how much that taint of the of the industry exists on someone where it's like you could just be an accountant that does accounting for adult stars and people are like so you work in the porn industry and it's like i'm an accountant (laughs) 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 it's true though it's 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 kind of crazy the stigma you know what i mean it's it's something that i worry about because you know i really want to have a baby that's like my big thing and i do worry about that you know i'm always like okay what's gonna happen like Will my kid be made fun of? Because my porn's going to be like 30 years old by the time, you know what I yeah. mean? By the time the kid's like in high school. But I just, I do worry about that all the time. You know, what's it going to be like? Let's talk about podcasting, actually. We're doing There's Something About Mary Carey. But what was your first experience on a podcast? Oh, you know, it was my friend Stu Stones in LA back in like 2008, I remember. He had a podcast. I think it was kind of new. Podcasting was kind of new then, you know? Yeah, that's about I like three channel- years old maybe. Yeah, his channel was called like TSM Radio. It was fun. I would I would usually be drunk when I would go there, but like, but it was always entertaining, you know. But yeah, that was my first podcast, actually. Yeah, you know what you brought up? You brought up being drunk, and mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you've done celebrity rehab. It is, it is part of the Mary Carey story. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the first time you drank? I do. Well, okay. So the very first time I had a beer was when I was sixteen, and I had like one beer. I remember my girlfriend and I, like, there was a guy, he was home from college across the street from her house, and we had a beer with him, and I remember I had my one beer, probably over, like, three hours, and I was like, I'm drunk, and then I never drank again for, like, six months, and then the summer, I I remember I had a full scholarship to Atlanta Ballet uh, before my senior year, but I had a boyfriend, and I, like, my ankle was already hurting, so I just didn't go to my summer program, and I drank the whole summer. When you did Celebrity Rehab... I hope you don't mind me asking this. You can say oh nothing. I'm like nothing, nothing. Literally, I will answer anything. (laughs) But when you when you did celebrity rehab, was that kind of the first time that you thought that maybe you did have a problem, or had that been a thing that was lingering in your head prior to that? I knew. I well, so I think I didn't think that drinking was my problem though. I thought Xanax were my problem. I started taking Xanax in 2005 to fall asleep at night. My girlfriend, she would like I was always taking Tylenol PM, and she was like. You know, I'd be awake after five hours. So like, come on, let's go do this stuff. And she's like, Mary, I need more sleep. And then one day she gave me a Xanax. She's like, you need to take this because I need you to sleep more because you get me up too early and want to do stuff. <laughs> and so I took the Xanax and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the best sleep I've ever had in my life. And I instantly like for the next year and a half, two years, I started taking them. And then, but I was buying them. Like, so <laughs> people always think porn stars are probably like doing blow or whatever, but there was like a Xanax dealer to the porn stars. He would like meet us. He would like meet you outside your apartment and like give you like and you pay a lot of money for these Xanax, like a lot, like four dollars a pill or something crazy. But then my mom jumped off a four story building in two thousand six, oh, uh, trying to trying to commit suicide. And when she did that, her neurosurgeon and I ended up dating. Got my mom excellent care. So I dated the neurosurgeon and I told him, I need you to write me a prescription for Xanax and Valium. So he wrote me the prescriptions and then I abused, but I totally was taking way more than I should have. And then I knew I needed help. And so, because it was just getting really bad. Like I was waking up at three in the afternoon and I would like not remember, I was not remembering anything. It was just really bad. And, um, when China was my friend, China the wrestler, and she was offered celebrity rehab and didn't want to do it. So she 
gave them my number. And I remember when I got the call, I was just like, this is incredible because I know I need rehab, but I can't afford to take a month off of featured. You know, I can't afford to not work for a month. So to yeah. get paid and to get help was pretty amazing. And I was off Xanax then from then on. But I didn't think I had know. a drinking problem. I didn't think I had a drinking problem. I thought that my problem was just Xanax. So. When did you start to think that you had a drinking problem? Oh, gosh. Probably 2014. 2014, okay. I um, was doing like a strip club appearance. And they had me in, in West Palm. And I was married at the time. But whenever I would leave my husband, I would get so – like to go on a trip, I would get so excited because I felt free, you know. I'm free from him. I can do whatever I want. And um, the club had me doing like a 6 p.m. show and then a midnight show. It's a lot of time to like sit there and drink, you know, and then I got super drunk and I didn't remember going on stage for my second show. The next day, like they, like this photographer that was there was like, oh, look, your tampon string was showing. I was like, I don't have my period. I had a big piece of toilet paper hanging out of me. And then like, apparently when guys were going to tip me, I was like, no, I don't want your money. Yeah. Oh God, you were <laughs> you were hurting yourself financially and yes. a whole bunch of other things. But yeah. So and I went to AA then for the first time, like after that. I I will say this very sincerely. As much as this is a goofy mm. podcast, I am very <laughs> I am very proud of you for oh, uh, continually Matt. trying to to fight those demons because I know that they're tough. It's really hard, well, Mary. I think that we uh, have properly introduced the audience to you unless there's any other firsts that you feel I mean I should probably do my I should probably do losing my virginity but I don't really remember it fully well there Um, you go (laughs) well no I remember it but I don't think it I still to this day do not know if it happened when I think it happened so I was 16 and it was my boyfriend who's a baseball player someone's parents were out of town so I was at like some baseball player house and I remember him and I were in the bedroom and we were like trying to figure out what to do but he had no condoms and so I was just like, well, I need a condom. And then he's like, I'll get some saran wrap. And then then unfortunately, the saran wrap thing became an ongoing joke. And I was like made fun of. After that, people at my high school like would be like, because somehow the story got around that I almost that I needed saran wrap instead of a condom. And it just became this like very big story where people were like, Mary Ellen needed saran wrap, pushing him a condom. But (laughs) um, I still don't know if he put it in or not that day be honest i don't know but then a year later my boyfriend at the time my girlfriend's parents were out of town and he like went to her bedroom and put flower petals like rose petals all over the bed and but i still don't know if we actually had sex either (laughs) i mean for all we know at this point mary carrie could just be a virgin i think i am a virgin could just be the virgin i'm a virgin (laughs) i might maybe i am i don't know (laughs) But I think that this raises the point of like why we kind of did the shift in the show as well Mm. is just like it's this weirdly taboo thing. But it's also like how many different versions of that story could there possibly be versus like the infinite amount of other firsts that are unique and different to every single person. So that's kind of why we're shifting. Like if the guest wants to share that story, Mm -hmm. we will absolutely give them the opportunity to share that story. But that's not going to be like our big final question anymore. I think this is the last time that it's our big final question so (laughs) there you go all right well mary will be back in two weeks with even more yes i love my matt so much oh thank you but i was giving you a lead in to say the name of the podcast we'll be back back in two weeks with even more there's something about mary carrie but there's something about mary 
Just something about Mary. 